Welcome to the Old Ways for the New Age podcast, where we are embracing ancient ways of being and opening our hearts to the magic of everyday life. We are your hosts, Christy and Hannah. Join us as we romance the ordinary, re-enchant our own lives with plant magic and get ourselves back to the garden. Before we get into the podcast, we would like to acknowledge the traditional custodians of the unceded land on which we live, work and record, the Wanjaraburra people. We wish to honour their elders past, present and emerging and recognise their continued connection to the land, sea and community. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to this week's episode of the Old Ways for the New Age podcast. We are talking this week about quite a few exciting topics. First of all, Christy's going to jump in and talk to you all about root medicine, which is one of my favorite topics and is so perfect for this time of year, which is why we're talking about it. <laughs> and also about grounding, which a lot of you are probably familiar with, but maybe you don't know how it actually works and what it does to benefit the body. Um, sometimes it's one of those terms that just gets thrown around without much explanation. Um, so she's going to cover that. I'm going to then talk about the Wheel of the Year and Maybon, which is the season that we're coming into right now, also known as the Autumn Equinox. And excitingly, on the topic of the autumn equinox, we will be sharing a little tidbit about our autumn equinox twilight gathering. So if you've ever been to one of the twilight gatherings at the store at Bohemian Farmhouse before, you'll know kind of a little bit of what to expect. But it's something that we're running four times a year on the solstices and the equinoxes. And anyone local is invited or not local if you want to travel for it. But it is a small event, a twilight event. It's about 3 to 6 p.m. And we're really excited to be hosting our first autumn one. So I'm going to jump right in and I hope you enjoy today's episode. I'm going to start with a quote from my favorite deck, The Materia Medica by Kendall Quack. And she has this written under her section for burdock. Root medicine teaches us the value of remaining grounded, trusting in natural processes and learning from and integrating past experiences. Root medicine is a concept that if you try and Google it, you're not going to come up with much at all. It's one of those things that I think comes with understanding herbs and plants on a very deep, intimate level. No pun intended. <laughs> it's also about living seasonally and recognizing the rhythms of the earth and growing patterns seasonal living is to it's to consciously surrender to the inevitable changes within and around us so seasonal living is about allowing for those different periods without being attached to any one of them and trusting that there will be a return of all phases in due course so when we focus on autumn we're focusing on the things that make autumn so vibrant and unique to this time and we do that by looking at the world around us. So, so in autumn, the seasonal changes in light and the cooler temperatures are a cue 
for many plants to enter into dormancy. So during this period, a lot of plants will lose their leaves and they will shift from growth mode into winter survival mode. And as a part of this process, plants shift the manner in which they store energy. So this means that sugars and other forms of energy previously produced and stored in leaves and other plant tissues are sent further down the plant for use and storage over winter. In the case of most herbaceous perennials and root vegetables, this vital energy is stored primarily in the roots. So when we're thinking about harvesting in autumn time, we're often thinking about harvesting roots. And root medicine has its own kind of energetic imprint as well. So root medicine can be simply consuming the roots of plants, either in powder form, added to drinks or meals or cooking in a stew. It could be plants like beetroots, carrots, potatoes, sweet potatoes, or it could be more medicinal plants like burdock, ashwagandha, dandelion or marshmallow. More commonly known and used root medicine that you probably have in your kitchen right now would be things like ginger and turmeric. And most of these root herbs are really fantastic for digestion and their actions in the autumn months, you might find that you feel this primal instinctual urge to harvest and to dig in the earth. And that's probably something that comes more readily to someone who gardens but even if you don't feel this you do feel this urge to move inward and you might even feel an urge to sort of eat more and to eat more root vegetables as well so you know often when autumn arrives we start to feel like we want to make stews or slow cook meals so root medicine is about grounding and it corresponds with our sense of self our identity and with our basic survival needs, giving us a sense of safety. So if we are anxious, insecure, frustrated, or have low self-worth or confused sense of self, then root medicine can be very healing in those times. Root medicine is something that when you look at it, it's hidden in the depths of the soil. It's in the dark. It's often overlooked. When we look at a garden, when we look at things growing, we see the abundant growth, we see the leaves and the flowers. And that's something that is very in tune with seasons like spring and summer. So in autumn, in the cooler months, when we have this natural inclination to move inward, the earth also has this natural inclination to move inward or in the case of plants, downward. So this is when the plant would start to focus its, its energy down into those hidden depths. So it's a very similar process with us. In times of stillness, when we are going inward, this is when we assimilate and integrate. So it's actually a fact that when our brains are resting and we can shift into that parasympathetic mode and actually be a little bit bored too, where we're not experiencing outward stimuli or we're not distracting ourselves with surface level information like scrolling on our phones what happens is our hippocampus where our memories are stored is activated and it's from this network and this place of stillness that we are in that random thoughts can spark new connections so literally new neural pathways in our brains and that enables creativity and artistic leaps and actual new ideas
which is amazing. So root medicine, as you can tell from some of the herbs I've just listed, it can be quite bitter, which means that it works on our digestive systems. So because it can be quite bitter, literally and figuratively, it can be hard to swallow and it forces us to look within at our own inner depths, our shadows and our darkness. So it can be a slow process, but it is when we are slow that we are building a foundation for well-being to sprout from. Another pun. <laughs> so this foundation, this foundation is really important and it's not just emotional where we're forced to look at our shadows, but it's also practical. So it's those bitter flavors that stimulate our gastrointestinal juices and bile and therefore improve our gut health and our ability to draw in nutrients. Let's have a little chat about best practices for harvesting roots. So because roots are designed to take up nutrients and water from the soil that surrounds them, they're going to absorb any chemicals present as well. So you want to make sure that you're harvesting in an area that's completely free and clear of any kind of toxic chemicals. And obviously the best way to do that is to grow your own. So before harvesting, make sure you are 100% confident that the plant you're about to harvest is what you actually think it is. If you need to, find someone who can confirm it for you. It's always good to think about first how much you actually need. So it's actually a really beautiful tradition to get into making medicine that you will use. So one year's worth is actually a good place to start. So think about how much you would use for you or your family within that year. Another, another beautiful little perk of doing that as well is that if you're doing it on a yearly basis, you're actually getting to spend time with the plants each season and so every autumn you'll come back to that plant which is really beautiful so consider the age of the plant as well most roots should be harvested within the second year and when they get older they become more fibrous and woody meaning that a lot of the strong qualities of the root are actually really hard to extract younger roots are traditionally more medicinally potent and they're easier to work with and harvest as well so you want to think about more first year or second year roots and this will actually change depending on the plant as well. When you're digging the roots you could use a specialised digger or a garden fork and you, you'll want to be really really careful not to break some of the roots because some of them are going to be the large tap roots that go quite deep. Those are the roots that are actually keeping the plant alive and you don't want to touch those. You want to focus more on the, the finer roots and the smaller roots. So use your tools to loosen the soil around the roots. Get your hands deep into the earth. This is actually amazing and so good for you. I'm not going to go into it now, but there is actually science that backs up that getting your hands that deep in the dirt is so good for you physically, mentally, and emotionally. It's amazing. So if you're harvesting correctly, most roots will just sort of pop up after you loosen the soil around them. Try starting sort of about 20 centimetres away from the plant actual plant base as because some roots will grow outward as well once you've harvested make sure to thoroughly clean and dry the roots best practice is to process right away after harvesting because you don't want things to get moldy and roots have propensity for that because they're thicker and they take a longer time to dry so if you're tincturing the fresh roots you want to do that right away or if the weather is not in your favour and it's damp or it's too cold and there's not enough sun or warmth, you might want to use an oven at low temp or a dehydrator. You want to get them dry as quickly as possible. So the two plants that I would focus on for root medicine would be dandelion and burdock. And beautiful dear dandelion, I do love her so. 
but today we're actually going to talk about burdock. So burdock is this really beautiful plant that has this expansive kind of presence. It's got these huge green leaves that sort of look a little bit like, um, like they have that sort of feel of being similar to like a cross between a zucchini plant and a comfrey plant, I would say. They're just really beautiful big leaves. When it comes to astroherbalism, burdock is a classic example of a Jupiter-ruled herb. And I'll just read you a little section from the Rowan and Sage blog about burdock here. Burdock root physically and energetically grounds our sense of being, helping us to root ourselves in both the world around us and in our own bodies. Through its relationship with Jupiter, it ultimately provides the stability of generous nourishment, helping to restore the body, promoting health and vitality, and giving us the faith and trust to move forward on our paths with vigour and momentum. So physically, burdock is a digestive plant and it has diuretic and bitter actions. It helps increase liver and gallbladder secretions, which help to process toxins and make room for nutrients and aid in the absorption of oils and fats. So it means that we're di digesting properly and we're actually drawing those nutrients from our food into our bodies. Burdock spirit to me teaches us that we need to consider grounding ourselves and when we do so, we're actually being still. And when we're being still, we are processing things and experiences that have happened. So it means that we can assimilate information as well. And it's, it's kind of mirrored in that way that it helps us to draw in nutrients and that digestive ability. It helps us to, to do that in our own minds with our own experiences. So Burdock Spirit teaches us to consider grounding ourselves and create meaning from experiences, reminding us to nurture our bodies and tend to our homes. So it is at home that we feel most safe and connected, and it's here that we most easily relax and get into that, that rest and digest. It allows us to let go of a lot of fears and discomforts. And so that is the goal of Burdock. It wants us to feel at home in our bodies. Another way that we can feel at home in our bodies is through the process of grounding. So grounding is part of root medicine. It's something that's really hard to come by in this world. <laughs> and the region that is most effect that most affects how grounded you feel is your root chakra. So that is located at your pelvic floor. And your root chakra is responsible for your sense of safety and security. It's where your feelings of being grounded and secure live. So if you're experiencing anxiety, fears, nightmares, any issues with reproductive organs or elimination, these are all signals that your root chakra is experiencing blockages. So some of the signs of an imbalanced root center are things like excessive daydreaming, lack of fulfillment and satisfaction, indulging in addictive behaviors, negative and destructive emotions, neediness and codependency on others. So earthing, which is also known as grounding, is a fantastic process for this. Earthing actually refers to the discovery that bodily contact with the earth's natural electric charge stabilizes our physiology at the deepest levels and reduces inflammation, pain and stress, improving blood flow, energy, sleep and basically just giving us a greater sense of well-being. So the earth is actually like a gigantic battery that contains a natural subtle electrical charge and it's a special kind of energy that's present in the ground. So for safety and stability, most everything in the electrical world is connected to it, whether it is an electric power plant or your fridge. 
So you are a bioelectrical being living on an electrical planet. Your body operates electrically. All of your cells transmit multiple frequencies that run your heart, your immune system, your muscles, your nervous system. All living things on our planet are connected to the ground's electric energy. So we rarely go barefoot. We rarely walk around outside. We always wear shoes. And a lot of these things stop us from absorbing the ground's energy. So for decades now, we've been wearing things like rubber and plastic soled shoes and these act as a barrier. So we're basically insulating ourselves from the electrical current of the earth. We put concrete on everything. We stay in our homes very often. We generally don't sleep on the ground anymore as we have done throughout history. And it's funny because if you actually go camping and sleep on the ground, you wake up feeling so amazing, so refreshed. You know, think about it. Now we live so far off the ground. High-rise buildings in cities are just so far away from the ground. And this means we're disconnected, we're ungrounded, we're not in touch with the earth. So scientific research now has actually shown that the more connected you are to the earth, the better you're going to feel and there's actual physiological benefits as well. All right, so how does this work? When you are grounded, the rhythm of your stress hormone cortisol starts to normalize. So cortisol you probably know is connected to your body's stress response. It helps control your blood sugar levels, regulates metabolism, helps reduce inflammation and assists with memory formulation. When sleeping on the ground, an eight-week study of 12 men and women showed that cortisol stabilized after eight weeks and 11 out of 12 of those people fell asleep faster, five out of six of the women had less PMS symptoms or perimenopausal symptoms such as hot flashes. Nine out of 12 felt more refreshed with more energy and nine out of 12 had less emotional stress, anxiety, depression, and irritability. So when you're grounded, your circulation improves, It aids, which aids, of course, in the delivery of oxygen and nutrients to the tissues in your body, even to the tissues in your face. There's actually significant facial blood flow improvement within just half an hour of grounding. So while this research for grounding for your health and well-being, well-being is pretty new, the practice is actually timeless. So we've done this for millennia. It's something that we've always done. We've always walked barefoot, worn you know, thin leather footwear, which allows the electrical current to still go through our feet. So it's actually really, really easy to get back into the practice. Literally, all you have to do is go out and stand, sit, or lay on soil or grass or even sand. Just get your body onto the earth. Do it as often as you can and start getting grounded. So Maybon is one of my favorite celebrations on the Wheel of the Year. We've touched a little bit on the Wheel of the Year before, actually more than a little bit. So if you jump back to the first episode of Season 2, you'll be able to listen to a general overview of the Wheel of the Year, what it is, why we use it, 
what it means, how we celebrate it in general. We've also done in the first season a few, and actually in season two, I think, a few spotlights on certain moments in the Wheel of the Year, certain celebrations. So you can also go back and listen to those if you're interested. At some point in the future, I would like to talk about Sabbaths and Espats and what the difference is, because a lot of people refer to all the points on the Wheel of the Year as Sabbaths, but that is not actually entirely accurate. But that's not what we're here for today. So to jump in, Maybon, it is the turning point where we have the longest day of daylight and we are going to begin to descend into the darkness, down into the underworld for the autumn and winter seasons here in the Southern Hemisphere. So it is the autumn equinox and, or I guess, would you call it the fall equinox? But the autumn equinox. And yeah, basically it's the second harvest. So previously we've looked at Lunasa, Lunasa, Lamas, um, which is the first harvest. Maybon is the second harvest and the last harvest of the season. And so if you do think about the Northern Hemisphere, the seasons are a lot more intense than they are here in Australia, especially in Queensland. And so they weren't able to grow things in winter like we are here in Australia. We're very lucky. We can grow most things year round, or at least grow something year round. Winter crops here are very productive with minimal effort compared to Europe or the States. So you have to think traditionally people would have been preparing their bounty, their harvest from the season, and they are taking stock of how productive their crops were this season and how they would be able to feed themselves and their families throughout the cold seasons. It is kind of interesting that we talked about root vegetables or Christy just addressed root vegetables um, and roots and root medicine and a lot of the foods that we will be focusing on around this time of year are root foods like root vegetables, root spices and herbs because it really and the correspondence with the root chakra is that it is it really was a time of like feast or famine this was the time that they really got to see whether they were going to starve and have to spend money that they didn't have to try and feed their families or barter with their neighbors um, and whether they actually had anything to barter with so it really was a fight or flight survival mode time of year where they're looking at their very basic um, food and security and so it really does energetically correspond with everything that Christy just talked about. But for those who had a really fantastic season, this was a wonderful time of year because they could sit back and really have a beautiful big feast and celebrate their hard work throughout the year, the growing season, uh, and take stock and have a look at all of the things that they managed to produce to feed them and their families. So it was a time of celebration for those who had a successful season. And this actually comes into a lot of like deity worship and and ritual living and things like that where they would make offerings to the gods and they would keep these things in mind so that they could have a successful season. That was a really big part of the way of life. And so now we can get food anytime we need, pretty much the same foods all year round if we want to from a grocery store wrapped in plastic. And we don't have the same appreciation for this time of year that we probably would have had if we were growing all of our own food. In terms of what's happening with the Wheel of the Year and the gods and the goddess, or the god and the goddess, uh, we're now looking in Lunasa or Lamas, we had the grain god. He was the grain god. He was in that archetypal phase, and he's now moved on to the god of the vine. 
And so this is kind of referring, whereas with llamas, there was a big focus on grains and bread and flour. And in Maybon, we're really looking at fruits, fruits and vegetables and things that they could ferment. Think wine, think pickled stuff, think canned stuff, root vegetables that could be stored properly in cellars, things that were able to be preserved that could continue to feed them through the winter where food was scarce. And the god of the vine is ultimately preparing himself for the journey that he's going to take through the winter down into the underworld. And the goddess is also preparing herself in a similar way uh, for that journey to the underworld to wait out the winter and then make their way back up when the god is reborn and it is the start of a new year and a new cycle. So energetically, this time of year, we want to be taking stock. Again, we did this a little bit at Lamas, but it is of extra importance this time of year. We want to look at our relationships, the choices we've made. We want to look at what's around us, the things that we desired, whether those things came to fruition or not, why didn't they? But also looking at uh, what we can release, because truly, the less we can take with us into the winter, the less that we have to carry, the less that we have to preserve, the better. The more energy that we can keep within ourselves, the better. So what can you let go of this time of year? That's the big thing to think about. And it is a great time of year to burn, to release, to let go of these things. Some amazing activities that you could do to celebrate Maybon would involve particularly a feast. It's a nice feast time, although every Sabbath and Espat is pretty much a good time for a feast. But definitely looking at those fruits, some grapes, some, some beautiful ripe fruits. You want to be maybe having some bread, but at Maybon with food, the focus really brings in the herbs. Whereas with Lamas, it's a little bit less so, more honey, more golden, more light, um, more grain. Whereas with Maybon, we're looking at rosemary and thyme and garlic and sweet potato and pumpkin and nuts and things that are things we can enjoy, either that we've slightly preserved and it's our first time cracking the seal or things that maybe won't last the whole season and we need to finish eating now. Um, but just abundance. It's abundance and a celebration of moving forward into hibernation time. So be merry, drink beautiful drinks, eat beautiful food. Um, some really nice recipes I saw involved like pumpkin pies and using spices like cinnamon and clove, which is perfect going into winter because these spices are warming. They're going to help to increase circulation and all of these spices also happen to be, herbs and spices I should say, happen to be um, protective. And this is also an amazing time for protective magic as you will be having more people inside more often. You'll be in each other's space all the time, particularly if you live in an area that snows. Um, but also I just think in general we're heading towards Samhain or Samhain, which is, you know, the veil is very thin that time of year. So it's really good practice to get your protection magic in now and start to really clear and cleanse the home and fortify the home and get yourself in order for sowing to come and then deep winter to come next. Pumpkin carving is also very popular this time of year. And I really loved reading about pumpkins actually and pumpkin magic. And traditionally, it wasn't pumpkins that were being carved. It was actually turnips. And the blogger that I was reading uh, actually said something really funny. She said, The act of carving faces into a vegetable originates with the Scots and Irish. 
but they didn't carve pumpkins in the old land. They carved root vegetables like turnips, which I hear is much harder than carving pumpkins. And by the way, if you have time, Google turnip jack-o'-lantern and have a change of pants at the ready. This is the stuff of nightmares. <laughs> and I completely agree with her. It is very creepy. So this was on the Otherworldly Oracle blog. She talks a lot on this blog about using pumpkins for magic and there's so many ways you can do it. So you can do it in the act of carving, you can use them to paint or carve sigils into, you can use the seeds in spells, you can bake a pumpkin pie and have the spices have their own magical properties and stir your intentions into it as you're preparing it. There are just so many ways that pumpkins can feature this time of year and I think that that's really easy and accessible and really fun. They also make a great offering to your ancestors and gods, particularly in the next season we move into, which is Samhain. Um, pumpkins are very well known that time of year. Some great Maybon activities that would be wonderful to try is wreath making. Beautiful to make a wreath for your front door. Really wonderful to do a bonfire with family and friends. Um, you could bake with your family and friends. It again is a great time for protection magic. You can make corn dollies this time of year. Um, making mulled wine is really fun this time of year also. And I think apple picking would be a wonderful activity for Maybon. Another thing I really liked was planting bulbs. It is time to plant the bulbs for next spring and that is a really lovely intentional practice and it shows you're thinking about the cycles of the earth and you're actually investing in your future which I think is super special and the fairies will love you for it. <laughs> there truly is so much more I could say on Maybon um, or Maybon is technically how I think it's pronounced. Um, it actually stems from a Welsh tradition, an Arthurian legend, actually, and it talks about a mother and son. And so you can go and research that if you want to know more or let us know and we could always cover it in another episode. But yeah, Welsh tradition. However, there is some contention about the fact that Maybon or Maybon tends to point towards being quite a modern invention or coining of the term. Uh, so Autumn Equinox is more correct in terms of old school Celtic paganism. Maybon is definitely a more modern way to describe the season. Altars, lastly, altars this time of year would be including your autumn leaves, your reds, your browns, your oranges, maybe a titch of yellow. Uh, you could put your corn dolly on your altar. You could leave an offering of fruit or part of your feast or some wine or mead or really anything that you've enjoyed that is a representative uh, symbol of the bounty that you've experienced in the season. And just to finish off, I would like to share a little bit about our autumn equinox twilight gathering at Bohemian Farmhouse. So our twilight gatherings are small boutique events Anyone is welcome to come and we put on some free drinks and uh, that usually involves cacao and some tea, some seasonal stuff. You can choose to come on either a free ticket or a paid ticket. Paid tickets get little goodie bags. They're not actually little. They're very value packed and they're wonderful. So I do highly recommend that if that's something that's an option for you. However, you can just come along on a free ticket. We highly encourage you to just register ahead of time so that we know how much uh, food and drink to prepare. For the summer solstice, we did pressed flower cupcake decorating and we do discounted flower essence readings and 
we hang out with each other and we're hoping to incorporate a bit more ritual and a bit more education around the events as too, like why we're having it, what the season means for those of you who are really new to the craft or to the pagan path or you're just generally interested. So definitely if you can come along, I highly recommend it. We would love to meet you and see you and have a chat with you and you get with the paid ticket, you also get discounts in the store so you can have a shop, maybe stock up on some gifts for people, however you want to use your discounts. Um, but yeah, we would love to see you. Thank you so much for your support. We are loving the feedback. So if you are enjoying the podcast, please give us a shout on Instagram, tag us. We love to hear from you. Your reels have been absolutely beautiful. And yeah, let us know. Give us your feedback. I hope you've enjoyed. I hope you have a wonderful Maybon season and we will talk to you next week. Thank you for joining us and for listening in. We know your time is sacred and special and we appreciate you spending yours with us. Please feel free to go ahead and follow us on Instagram at oldwaysforthenewage underscore podcasts to see more of what we talk about here. We hope you'll join us next time. Until then, bye for now.